Welcome to another episode of the Pro Football Doc Podcast. Very exciting week here due to the special guest as we roll into the draft. Very lucky to get this very busy man and very thankful that he agreed to come on because I actually don't have a lot in common with Mike. I don't really know our guest here. Run into him at the Super Bowl. And all I know is everybody says he is the kindest man around. We know some people in common. And uh, that's the introduction. But uh, Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN front office insider, over two decades in the NFL with multiple teams. And quite honestly, you as a GM, you captain the most successful seven years of Jets' recent history. And welcome to the show, uh, Mike Tannenbaum. David, great to be with you. And yeah, I know our circles haven't crossed very much, but a lot of respect for you and your well-earned reputation and the insights and expertise you bring to the conversation in around football. So uh, excited to be with you this evening. Thank you very much. And uh, especially at this very busy time with the draft rolling up, I see you're everywhere, you're traveling, you're really doing everything. And I love the stuff that you're doing uh, for ESPN and on Twitter where you kind of tell it like it is. Like you're not, you're not being mean to anybody, but you're not like just agreeing. You're like, well, I kind of see it differently and, and, and here's uh, why. And uh, I think that's uh, brilliant and that's what people want to hear. So, so kudos for that. Yeah, I appreciate it. I just try to bring, you know, people a little bit behind the curtains and not necessarily to be provocative, to be provocative, but if and when I see something different, I just feel like you foundationally can disagree, but you should have well thought out reasoning why. And, um, you know, that's what I try to bring to our discussion, you know, on ESPN or you know, whatever shows it may be. Well, I really respect what you do because in some ways it's what I model. I try and bring people behind the curtain for medically. What a team doc says, this is what we care about. This is how we look at things, et cetera. And you do that for, for a, a, from a GM perspective. And I think it opens a lot of eyes uh, in terms of what's happening. Yeah, and I think that's probably the reason, uh, you know, I. Bill Pullian, who obviously uh, Hall of Fame GM was on before I was. And I think that's the role in the play, you know, ESPN wants us to bring, which is, you know, you have the player perspective, you have the coach perspective, and then you have, you know, the important, you know, front office perspective. And it could be things like, hey, why isn't Dak Prescott signed? Well, Dak Prescott may not be signed, not because this negotiation is going great, because Dallas right or wrong decided two years ago to pay Zeke Elliott, which is, you know, their prerogative. And, when you make that decision, it has consequences and, you know, whatever the issue may be, again, my role is just to bring a little bit more context to the discussion. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I love your new effort, what you're trying to do. Uh, tell everyone a little bit about the 33rd team here. And I'm going to screen share a little bit. Premier football, think tank, et cetera. Tell everyone about that a little bit. Yeah, David, I appreciate you asking. I'm very proud of this. So a couple of years ago when I transitioned to ESPN, um, I knew I was going to need a lot of help. So I hired some really smart grad students from the University of Massachusetts. They have a great sport management program. And what I quickly discovered is that coaches, GMs need a place to kind of stay current between their opportunities. So Dan Quinn's probably the best example. Dan was the head coach of the Falcons. 
when that ended, he joined the 33rd team. We paired him with a grad student. He stayed current. We have weekly Zoom calls. We have very thoughtful discussions and we have Super Bowl winning uh, head coaches on there. Um, we have people from all over the lot. We have Dean Blandino and um, we really mirror all the news of the week. And, um, and then we'll watch tape together. We'll evaluate players. We'll have somebody like Wade Phillips talk to us about, hey, um, you know, how we, Jamar Chase, for example, like one of the best receivers, how would you defend him? Kyle Pitts, this great tight end. From a defensive perspective, we it's great because we'll have guys like him and Eric Mangini on, and we'll ask them about offensive players. And the goal really, David, is at the end of that hour, um, hopefully we all get a little bit better. And the other fulfillment I get out of it candidly is we've helped some of these young students break in uh, to teams because of the experience they've gotten. Yeah, and, and that's actually really uh, meaningful for you, right? That's what your philanthropy is about in getting some young people involved in sports and, and sports side in the business world of sports, right? And that's kind of your passion. So kudos for that. Yeah, thank you. I've been fortunate. A lot of people gave me opportunities and I just want to pay it forward and help young men and women get their foot in the door. And then obviously whatever they do with it is it, certainly up to them, but um, it's a very uh, fulfilling experience. And, and I love this 33rd team concept. Uh, I stumbled my way into this silly media stuff. I don't know if you know the whole history, but you remember National Football Post? Of course, sure. Run. Yeah, and, and that actually had a really good run. And, and uh, 33rd team, in some ways, the next level extension of that, it, you know, they had an agent, they had, you know, Andrew Brandt was on there and different things. And they recruited me to do that because you know it's uh for lack of a better word x's right x's kind of you know what i say is you bring a lot of insider knowledge even if it's not insider information where you're leaking stuff it's insider knowledge of how people think and that's what national football post had a good run about so i love this 33rd team concept that you have and uh definitely with Wish you a lot of luck. I think it's a great concept. Thank you. Yeah, we're working hard at it and try to make it better every day and you know, we'll see where it goes. Got it. Got it. So um, you've spent a lot of time, uh, you know, currently it's draft time. Give us what you think might be the biggest surprise that comes out of the draft, but you're just predicting or guessing at from what you see and what you study that people aren't thinking about. I think these quarterbacks, I think five quarterbacks are going to go like literally in the top eight, top 10. Where, and I think that's for a few reasons. I think we've seen over the last couple of years, every team like this race to get a quarterback more so. And I think it's devalued first round picks. You know, we just saw what like San Francisco gave up um, to move up, you know, from 12 uh, with Miami to six and excuse me to three. And then Miami moved back up to six, but I think that this quarterback movement is real. I think it's going to happen, David. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if you and I were having a conversation a month and we said, wow, five quarterbacks in the top eight. I think that's very realistic. Interesting. And, and you know, from the 33rd team and, and from your thoughts, I, I put up on the screen share, you know, obviously the 30, 49ers knew who are they, they were going to get before they made that trade, right? You don't make that trade. And that's kind of what you you talk about whether it's Mac Jones or not, they kind of know their guy, right? Can you expand on that a little bit? 
Yeah, 100%. And I've been there. I've made some really big trades in my career, David. And when you go up and you give up multiple first round picks and a third round pick, you have to walk in with your head coach, sit down with the owner, say, hey, look, here's what we're thinking. Here's why we're thinking it. And we're going up for player X. You know, we think, let's assume it's Mac Jones. We think he's a younger, better, more durable Jimmy Garoppolo. We think he'll be just like what Matt Ryan was in Atlanta. And um, that's something that when you do that, you don't say, well, I think it's going to be one of these three guys. Like you need to have like extreme conviction as it relates to what we're going to do as a franchise when we make this trade. And there's a lot of speculation. The 49ers want to go to more than one pro day, which I totally understand. They're just trying to be thorough. You're also trying to prepare for things, you know, when, um, let's say two to three years from now, another player like Justin Fields gets released. You never know, like we just saw with Dwayne Haskins. So I, I don't, media's made so much of it, but I think fundamentally your question, David, you can't make that sort of draft capital allocation without not having deep rooted conviction of what to do. Uh, absolutely. I think that's definitely uh, true. And uh, so do you think it's going to be Matt Jones or Justin Fields or Trey Lance or yeah, I'm I'm in the Mac Jones camp from day one. I've been saying since January, this guy reminds me of Matt Ryan. If we go back a few years ago to the Super Bowl when it was the Patriots and the Falcons, Matt Ryan had a great year under Kyle Shanahan. And I think there's a tremendous amount of resemblance between the two. And if Atlanta could get to a Super Bowl with Matt Ryan, I'm sure Kyle Shanahan is saying, you know what, maybe we should give up one, a one and a three. But if we get that extra, you know, extra one costs us a chance to get the Super Bowl. That's great business. And I'm sure that has to be part of their discussion. Absolutely. Um, any concern that you see from a talent evaluation standpoint of Mac Jones with his elbow or throwing velocity or accuracy? I haven't examined Mac Jones. I'm not trying to throw mud in the situation, but there are some rumors about elbow things is that do you see anything from a talent perspective related to his throwing elbow yeah i can just tell you from what i see david like you see a guy that has good arm strength he has extraordinary uh placement and what i mean by that is it's one thing to catch the ball and have great completion percentage he puts it in such a precise place where the receiver can make the maximum amount of yards after a catch and He's a good athlete. He's not a great athlete. So I think that those criticisms, and I've seen that, David, I think that's much more about when you juxtapose Matt, um, Mac Jones with Trey Lance and or Justin Fields. Those other two players are much better athletes. But I think what Kyle Shanahan is seeing is which guy plays the quarterback position the best. And because of the way that 49er roster is constructed, like who gives us the best chance to win right now? And I think that's clearly Mac Jones. Do you think Jimmy G will be with the 49ers for the season? I would keep him. I thought Cincinnati made a terrible decision last year when they moved on from Andy Dalton. They put um, Joe Burrow out there. And I make, I take no pride in this statement, but I predicted last year that Joe Burrow would get hurt. He did get hurt. And if I'm the 49ers, again, we're going to have somewhat of an abbreviated uh, offseason because of COVID. And I think if I was them, why not keep Jimmy Garoppolo? If Jimmy Garoppolo plays great, that's a win-win. Jimmy will get paid by another team. San Francisco can recruit some of those picks. So I don't see the downside to keeping him. 
Yeah, well, I, I've kind of lived that, right? I mean, I was the team physician for the San Diego Chargers when we, well, drafted Eli Manning, flipped it for Phillip Rivers. And that's also an example of we're in the draft room. Now, admittedly, I don't know where you put your team doctor and, and head athletic trainer when you were the GM in Miami and, and, uh, and leading the ship in, in, the, in New York, but there were 10 people kind of at the big boy table and, and the head athletic trainer and I, James Collins, were at the kids table, a little round table in the corner, you know, just in case. And I witnessed that, you know, obviously the reason why we drafted Eli because the Giants are waiting for a blink, right? And the trade didn't happen like literally the Giants selected Philip Rivers and we had communicated him that's who we wanted. Literally, there was a cheer at the big boy table when the Giants selected Philip Rivers, meaning the trade was going to happen. And then they selected him and then the trade happened. So you're right about that. And obviously, Philip, what I'm alluding to, sat behind Drew Brees and it worked out very well for Drew Brees uh, and, uh, you know, worked out well for Philip, too, uh, in, in the end. So I, I can see that. But from a medical perspective, we talked about on this podcast, you were right about your prediction, obviously, of Joe Burrow. My prediction was the way that the, and, and I don't need specific examples, but the way that teams deal with players, that I titled it hiding behind health, how they treat the health of a player based on what I look at in my video and how they get them back or don't get them back or what they do sometimes is telling in terms of where they're rated. And to me, uh, Jared Goff wasn't, I mean, maybe Goff is here and Wolford was here or maybe Wolford here and Goff here, but the bottom line, there wasn't much difference. And what told me that was you only started, you only activated two QBs for the playoffs. And the second you didn't activate Blake Bortles, that told me Goff was healthy but they preferred Wolford for whatever reason. And obviously now the trade, the same with Jimmy G, I thought with his high ankle, I mean, that was the late first half of the season. You didn't hear from him again and they buried him. And, you know, even George Kittle who broke a bone in his foot came back. Came back. season, yeah. Right. And you didn't hear. And to me, that's where I was on record saying for whatever reason, you know, it's not like they hate Jimmy G, but they, you know, whatever the thinking is. And obviously Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch are very smart, right? And they have this figured out, but sometimes you get these clues by looking at the medical side of what's going on. Yeah, that's a great, you know, the Wolfer thing's a great insight, David, because you're right. They could have dressed three quarterbacks and they didn't. And that tells you everything you know, need to know about Goff's availability for the game. Yeah, because nobody goes in with, like if, if Goff was really 50-50 on going, nobody goes into a game with one and a half quarterbacks. It just that's right. Happen. And so once now I was wrong, right? Cause I said, Goff's going to start, Goff's going to start. And he didn't, but medically, I think we were right. But, you know, personnel wise, that's where, you know, the unknown from, from the outside, uh, et, et cetera is. And, uh, I also found interesting in your bio, as I look at, you're an attorney. Does that help you in any way in what you do in your football career or, or, or is it just something that you've done and, and you're all football or how does that work? Yeah, I would say um, it certainly helped me uh, like organize like my thoughts and how to approach things. And, you know, going to law school was helpful. Working for Coach Parcells for four years every day was probably more helpful. But uh, I went to really glad I went to law school. Uh, I learned the cap there. 
learned it really with the Saints in the very early formative stages of my career. Got to work for Coach Belichick, and I think he gave me credibility when I was uh, literally 27 years old, running around the country with a law degree, trying to, you know, beg, claw, and scream my way into an NFL team. And you know, um, it, it it helped. I don't would say used it every day by any stretch, but early in my career, I think it was very helpful to have that credibility. Got it. And uh, yeah, you're, you have a ton of experience between the Jets and the Dolphins and leading teams, but you're still a very young man. Are you going to get back in or are you happy doing what you're doing? You know, I learned a long time ago, David, to be where your feet are. And I'm going to be the best broadcaster I could be. I'm going to be the best person helping to start this 33rd team. And we'll see where it goes. Um, you know, for me, I wouldn't rule it out, but like, I'm at a point where I just want to work with great people that make me better every day. And, you know, and I, I say this with all sincerity, you know, I've been around the best of all time in Parcells and Belichick and literally David, the people at ESPN are as good at their job as those guys are at theirs. And it raises my game. Uh, I'm all in on broadcasting. I work really hard to get better at it. I script, I prepare. Um, I still feel like I got a long, long way to go because I feel like the bar is so high. Got it. Got it. And uh, obviously Bill Poland did a great job before you too. So yeah, you, I'm sure you've got your work cut out for you. You mentioned coach Belichick and curious, Eric Mangini, obviously was your first head coach when you were GM and Bill Belichick. And obviously when you talk about Bill Belichick and the jets, Spygate comes up, right? So what role, if any, and Mangini has said he regrets, you know, saying what he did. What role, of any, did you have in either talking to Mangini, going down that path and reporting it, or no role? Or what, what are your thoughts on that now that it's well behind us in the whole deal? Yeah, it was a long time ago. And it was, you know, a, really a league matter. Um, the league got involved really from the beginning. And that was something that they handled with the Patriots. And you know, David, when you're running a football team like the way we were, our head was down for the Jets. And really, you know, the way it was portrayed, um, it happened at our stadium, obviously. But beyond that, the league took it over from th that afternoon. And there was really nothing. We, we, we found out things just like everybody else did when the league made an announcement. Got it. Now, my question as a fan on that, if... Mangini knew they were stealing or looking at signals. Why wouldn't you just on the key third down do the dummy and design a play to expose, do the opposite and expose it as a poke and teach a lesson on the field that way versus the reporting? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's, <laughs> you would have to ask them about that, you know, and, and what may have happened and how that all happened. That was, you know, again, being in a front office, David, my, my, my plate was really full. So <laughs> I was different, in, different I, roles. I, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah got, got it. Uh, that, that, that totally, uh, that totally uh, makes, uh, makes sense there. So uh, who is the first non QB drafted you think, or the couple people that might be, because you talked about all the QBs five in the top eight, et cetera. Who are the other couple of guys that are really, really high up there in your opinion? Yeah, I think two guys, Kyle Pitts, University of Florida, tight end. He's dynamic, great athlete. I think he'll go really high. And then uh, Jamar Chase, uh, wide receiver, LSU. He is dynamic. I thought he was a better player than Justin Jefferson. You know, Jefferson had a great year last year. 
from Minnesota. So, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens here, but I think Chase and Pitts, I think uh, will be the first two to go. When you were running the Jets and the Dolphins, let's say the Jets, uh, what was your pre-draft process with medical? Ken Montgomery, yeah. Elliot Hirschman, et cetera, or yeah. the athletic trainer, David Price. How did you do it and how did you account for medical information? Yeah, they did a great job in Canley, a very similar group in Miami, you know, Dr. Uribe and yes, Dr. Schwartz. And really like the same way where, you know, we want them to tell us, you know, obviously the guys that we couldn't take, you know, that was their call. Um, and then really after that, it was just helping to define risk. And when was risk reasonable? Um, you know, um, not every injury, as you all know, David, um, is the same. And then I really just wanted to be educated, like, you know, what can we handle? What shouldn't we like? What's reckless? What's aggressive? Um, and then they were a big part of the conversation. And, you know, it was one that was ongoing throughout the process. So I don't think we ever like showed up one day and we're like, oh, we can't take this player. And candidly, like going, looking at it now, I think if we could do things differently, and I think it's hard for you guys at, in medical because you're seeing these guys for the first time in February, you know, or, as some people may know, there's rechecks, which is about six weeks later but I think in a perfect world like from a personnel department standpoint we would love to get medical information earlier because if player x is somebody we can't draft like let's just get let's move on like let's stop wasting time and I think sometimes like that like looking back on it like and again it's nobody's fault because it's just the way the cycle unfolds but that's there's so much time and effort poured into a player and when someone says, hey, you know, there's a non-union graft or, you know, the ACL just doesn't look like it, it repaired well, like it's heartbreaking. And then you think like, gosh, we just wasted a whole bunch of time. You know, that's that's uh, that's interesting. One of the things that I always tell people, and obviously this year there was no February even, right? It was just the rechecks and very limited. But one of the things I told people like, I don't know about for you and for the Jets or the Dolphins, I very, very rarely flat out fail the guy who says you cannot play football. When I joined up, I changed the grading system from fail. And, and, uh, and I used to say, you know, it was like five was a fail, but I'd say five arrow three L like he can be fixed. He can't pass a physical today. If you want him to play today, he cannot, but he can be fixed, be it for next year or fall or whatever. So very, these, at the combines they all came in having played really good football so unless it was a really disastrous heart condition or something i'd usually would just say he's not ready now or he needs a lot of work or he needs a revision surgery rather than flat out failing him and the other thing i th would love you to comment on is people assume that medical is just black and white but we all know gm grades and gm selection of the qbs or any players is very subjective. And there's a subjective side to medicine too, where at the combine, not all 32 head team positions agreed on a grade on somebody on who was good or, or not good. In some ways, there's the same gray area. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's very subjective. I think that would probably surprise people the most is like, you know, how subjective it is because again, you know, you guys oftentimes are, you're, you're seeing a player for 10, 15 minutes and then everything else is diagnostic. And now you're trying to project hundreds of players. That's hard to do. It's not an exact science. Yeah, I used to call it, I've uh, been there 20 plus times. I used to call it Groundhog Day. Like literally, you wouldn't know what day of the week it was. It was just player after player. And honestly, 
maybe my brain isn't as good as yours, Jim, but I don't study all the college players, right? During the season, I'm worried about my 53, right? And like good notes was the key. <laughs> They'd ask you about a guy and you go, who was that again? Like, you know, because it's just a blur as they- Oh yeah, to, yeah, absolutely, yeah. To come through. I remember one time, Mike, you might be amused by this. We were uh, drafting the year Antonio Cromartie came out and uh, he fell because of his ACL. And he wasn't even one of the guys that we had, quote, dotted. We had a system where they told us the top 50 or 60 the team was really interested in. So I definitely, I paid attention to all of them, but definitely those. But Cromartie wasn't one of them. And when he started dropping the draft as I was at the kids table, a lot of years they didn't even say anything to me. But that was a year they said, what do you think? And I was like, well, he's not ready today, but with some rehab, his graft is okay. He'll get there. And then we got closer. And what do you think? And, and you might enjoy this and got, got closer. We were one away and it was a third time from, from AJ Smith. What do you think? And, and he walked away and I, I looked at my head athletic trainer. I said, unless there's, does he, this is before computerized everything. I said, does he realize that unless there's reappearing ink on this piece of paper, I already told him everything I know the first two times. You know? <laughs> I mean, because I didn't remember Cromartie from anyone else, right? I was just, my notes were that he that he was okay. And we actually drafted him and you might enjoy this little thing. And, and then we actually drafted Marcus McNeil in the second round because he dropped and he might've been our first round pick. So I've had Marcus on the podcast and I said, Crow cost you a lot of money, you know? And but after we drafted Marcus because of his back, and this is the one year where it was like, oh my God, they kept coming to us. The room cheered because they thought they got two first round picks. But I remember, I'm just wondering if you had any anecdotes or stories like this, AJ Smith coming up to me afterwards and James Collins, the head athletic trainer and said, well, men, it's all on you now. Because they were both, you know, had some injury issues. And I looked at AJ who I love and had a great relationship with and I said, I understand if either one of these guys don't work out, I'm fired. But if they both work out, do I get a raise? And he just chuckled and walked away. <laughs> yeah, no, we've, uh, that happens a lot. You know, you look for opportunities um, and medical can play a huge, we took John Vilma one year. He had a really bad knee coming out of Miami. Um, our doctor signed off on him. He had a great career with us. We went up training to New Orleans, uh, which wasn't probably a good move in hindsight, but um, you know, other teams had failed them. You know, Nick Mangold had, I believe, like a medical condition we were fine with. Others weren't. He had a great career with us. So, yeah, there's always those sort of like weird sort of dynamics like, hey, what are we missing? Or are we being reckless here? So there's a lot of give and take, especially when you're getting close to being on the clock. Yeah, and it's a, it's a relationship thing, right? You you know your doctors really well and what they're saying and can read them. And that's right. Patient thing, absolutely. Well, Mike, anything else you want to cover here or or push or cover? I I'm, I run overtime on you, and I don't want to keep you too long here. No, this was great. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks, Mike Tannenbaum, the thirty third team. Check it out. Uh, one of the nicest guys around that I've heard, and and he's right. He's super nice. We'll come back after a quick break from the Pro Football Doc podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. To part two of the Pro Football Doc podcast, Mike Tannenbaum there for part one. And we have to let him go because he's so busy with the draft and so forth. And I thought that was a good segment uh, as advertised. Mike's a quality individual. And uh, I appreciate him answering all the questions and, uh, and his candor. 
So part two here, uh, we're going to talk about the controversy about OTAs or no OTAs. I'm going to talk it talk about give it to me straight doc. Uh, how coaches opinions can often be discounted. We'll talk about a little baseball, a little bit of basketball and other sports. We'll have some fun and we'll talk about how gambling is really here now uh, with the new NFL announcements. And we will do our what happened here video analysis that we'll call ragdoll and uh, what happened. So let's get started here with uh, part two of the Pro Football Doc podcast. And first off is there is a ton of controversy related to the NFL and uh, the excuses about OTAs. Look, I don't want you guys tweeting at me or saying whatever. The pandemic is real. COVID is real. I've always said I could scare the bejesus out of anyone who thinks it's not. My wife has worked in the ICU during the pandemic as a nurse. But I also could talk someone who hasn't left their home in six or nine months or more out of their home and let them know what's safe. The pandemic is real. And I'm not banging on players, but the NFL excuses about OTAs, now, 19, probably 20 teams by the time this airs or more of the 32 have said they don't want to go to OTAs. But I don't know that using the pandemic, and you can check out this article, is really a valid reason. Yes, you have to be careful. Yes, you can have social distancing. But the NFL got through an entire season with no across the sideline transmission from one team to another, across the line of scrimmage transmission. Yes, within teams there have been transmission. But, you know, if you continue with the season rules, I think you can get an OTAs in. But clearly to me, you know, I just wish some of the players would say it straight. I would rather work out on my own. I like that. OTAs are voluntary anyways, currently. You don't need to change any of the rules. Just tell the team and don't go. I mean, it's your right. I'm not saying they don't have the right. If they're worried about COVID, don't tell the team and don't go. But I think it's more about not wanting to go to OTAs and then perhaps not wanting um, people, the other backups to go to OTAs and, and in their stead and get reps. So I always say, give it to me straight and give it to me straight doc. And this is, uh, I'm not a big Bill Maher fan. I don't really watch it uh, in HBO real time. I think he's more, I don't know if he's more right or left. I, I don't really care. I don't really watch much, but I really like this segment that I tweeted out. Uh, give it to me straight doc. Riley, new rule, don't spin me when it comes to my health. Over the past year, the COVID pandemic has prompted the medical establishment, the media and the government to take a scared straight approach to getting the public to comply with their recommendations. Well, I'm from a different school. Give it to me straight, doc. Because in the long run, that always works better than you can't handle the truth. And he goes on a lot further than that. And I'll just stop there. You can go listen to it. I agree with that. I'm not taking sides on the whole COVID thing. And that's kind of what I'm saying to the players. Give it to me straight. You want to come, you won't, don't want to come. And uh, same with the pandemic. I mean, the, the surface scare that's now one in 10,000 surfaces, 
give you can give you COVID. Now it's not one in ten thousand random shopping cart handles. It's one in ten thousand shopping cart handles with coronavirus on it potentially gives you COVID. So thankfully the numbers are low. And that's kind of what I talked about, viral load. It's real. COVID is real. Don't get me wrong. But we're all adults out there. Let's give it to us straight is probably the only thing that I would say. And uh, for those that don't agree, I get it. And I'm not trying to bang on players, but uh, first of all, the NFLPA informed players, the NFL doesn't intend to discipline players in the offseason for high-risk COVID contacts. So you can go to bars, you can go to indoor events, you can go to fundraising events, you can do all of that, and the NFL isn't going to come and get you. But the NFL is going to allow that. Certainly, OTA seem to be safe. And my buddy, and I didn't communicate with him, but Nick Hardwick, longtime center and pro bowler, calling it like how it is. Thank you for saying it. And that's kind of what I was saying. I respect their position, but it's not as much about the pandemic as, uh, as other things. And the NFL's not clean on this too. They're using the vaccine carrot. They're trying to get all staff and coaches to be vaccinated because they don't have unions and they can by saying, well, you still have your job, but you just can't deal with any players if you don't get a vaccine. Well, all, everyone knows that that ends up you being marginalized. Even if you still have your job, you're marginalized. So I suspect all staff, equipment people, athletic trainers, doctors, you know, you name it, um, uh, are going to end up with the vaccine because you can't afford to not be working with players. So the NFL is doing their side on that, too, in terms of uh, what's happening. The next thing I want to chat about here is coaches discounted and talked about that a little bit with uh, Mike Tannenbaum, but here's what I mean. Here we have Matt Miller talking about it. Head coaches and private position coaches are biased. They can fill in gaps, but Nagy points out, Jim Nagy points out, that uh, private coaches are getting paid by the player or the agent. So teams rarely rely on them as sources. Now, my educational point for you all on the podcast is, remember I've been saying this, as an NFL team physician, I didn't disrespect any private doctor opinions, private surgeon opinions, but I always took them with a huge grain of salt. I needed to see for myself. The private doctor surgeon is on the side of the player and you're always going to get a glowing report. The head coach or the athletic trainer or the workout trainer or position coach from the kid in college is going to say glowing things. And they should. The only time you really want to watch out is if the coach says, no, that kid's not any good, right? Or if the surgeon says that knee's not going to work out. So it's just the way of the world. Agents are going to back the players. The, their trainers are going to back them. Their doctors are going to back them. Their former coaches are going to back them. That's the way it should be. But teams will look at it with a grain of salt. Uh, and we're going to do a, a draft release here. We'll talk about some of the big injury issues. Look, Caleb Farley reportedly did very well. The Alabama wide receivers reportedly did, did very well. 
That's typically the agent saying this. It's not the teams or whatever saying, agents or their individual physicians. So take all that with a grain of salt here as we uh, continue on. Let's talk about uh, a couple of other things here that I think are fun that we'll talk about. And as you know, Pro Football Doc is not just, there's gonna be some exciting announcements in Pro Football Doc coming up this coming year, but we, Obviously, you see on the Twitter timeline, we talk about things like baseball and basketball. Fernando Tatis plans to play smarter to keep his health and his shoulder feels fine. He'll consult with doctors after the season to see if he can avoid surgery. You guys probably know I've said three shoulder sub subluxations in less than a month. Shoulder surgery is inevitable. I hope he can finish the season, but he's going to need surgery long term. Three times in a month. It's going to happen again. I hope not. Look, so far he's changed his swing. He keeps his top hand on instead of violently swinging through. He did it at home run. He's not hitting for great average. You know how hard that is to change a quarterback throwing motion midseason? Heck, in the offseason, it's hard. Kudos to Tatis and the Padres. I am not second-guessing their decision. They're pot committed. They're probably going to see what happens over this next month. Whether they do surgery now or in a month from now, he misses this season and is ready for next season. So why not take a look and see what he can do? And I think the risk of long-term injury is low. So that's why they're doing it. So that analysis is kind of coming true. We talked a little bit about basketball, Jalen Murray. This one, not so good. Last minute of the game, 50 seconds left. And uh, unfortunately, I wish I were wrong sometimes i am wrong sometimes but this one i wish i was where right that step right there the left leg the knee buckles and he tears his acl unfortunately and that's been confirmed and i think it's going to be acl mcl i think it's going to be hard for him to be ready for the start of next season uh and do well so unfortunate uh for him there it's going to last beyond this season and uh unfortunately that video impression came true but, you know, some relatively good news. Donovan Mitchell, this was just a mild ankle sprain, and he should be back. You'll see his right ankle as he lands. Right there, just that little tail end you saw, the inversion ankle sprain. And he really should be fine coming, going forward there, which is, uh, which is good news there. Um, so we try and cross over a little bit. Um, what else? Aaron Donald was in the news and I know Deshaun Watson's in the news. I've been on the record saying it's unusual to get, need so many different massage therapists, but you know, I'm not trying to condemn anyone. Let's wait for the whole story to come out. Uh, let's take a look at Aaron Donald. He was accused. He was going to be sued. And it turns out there was video where he was pulling guys off the guy who, uh, was getting beaten up. So, Aaron Donald is completely exonerated. Now, I hope this exoneration of Aaron Donald has a lot of legs because a lot of times the uh, accusation is more long lasting and more well viewed than the exoneration. So hopefully his reputation remains squeaky clean here because it looks like he actually did the right thing uh, in pulling guys off and was not involved in any of that. So sometimes waiting for the whole story is the way to go. And uh, I have to get out a shout out to my guy, uh, you know, uh, Julian Edelman, 
Uh, Coach Belichick said a lot of great things about him. But, uh, uh, you know, for a seventh-round draft pick quarterback to dominate the game and, and do as well as he did, kudos to him. I don't care if he's in the Hall of Fame or not. He'll get what he deserves. He'll be in the Patriots Hall of Fame. If he deserves the Hall of Fame, great. If not, he still has had a great career. And kudos to him and the way he did everything. Let me tell you, when everyone thought he was going to Tampa, I was like, he's not going. He took last money to stay in New England. His legacies with New England and the Patriots. He's set up for life with the Patriots and uh, and in the New England area. And uh, he remains true for, true to that. So kudos to the California kid uh, that's done well. And finally, gambling. It's here. The NFL signed a three-way deal with Caesars, DraftKings, and FanDuel. Look, I'm the FanDuel injury expert, but I'm just glad that everything is coming out well here. Caesars was already the casino affiliated with the NFL. Now they get Sportsbook too. DraftKings was already the official daily fantasy. Now they get Sportsbook. And FanDuel's now in the game with the NFL. And so hopefully, you know, some fun times continue to come and with Pro Football Doc. Finally, let's uh, go to some video here. Uh, normally we have Beast of the Week, but in the off season, we try and do what happened here. And I'm gonna show you some other video here. And it's for motocross, a sport that I have some familiarity with. I've done some motocross in my time. And if you look here, there's some X Games stuff. Uh, that's Dave Mira's helmet, God bless him and his family and some X Games medal. I was the chief medical officer for the X Games. So some of the Travis Pastrana stuff, backflips, all these guys, uh, uh, et cetera. And uh, here's some motocross footage. Um, it's pretty exciting, but let's take a look at this ragdoll. And we'll show that again here. Well, you guys know me better than this. If he were seriously hurt, I wouldn't be showing the video. How tough is this guy? He gets up and gets back into the race, the next race. They were red flagged here, over the top. Gets his ankle caught and he's flipped around. This is a case where him going ragdoll really helps him. Thankfully, there was no axial load, no C-spine injury, but he kind of rolled with it. He flips his body everywhere, but, and that's how he actually avoided injury. And uh, uh, sometimes going with it is the way to go. Sometimes we hear stories, unfortunately, where there's a drunk driver accident and the drunk driver walks away, but every other occupant doesn't. And sometimes as he is here, just being thrown around and being ragdolled, and you see it in the NFL too, uh, the complete surprise and going limp with it is sometimes a way to avoid injury as opposed to resisting. And uh, amazing, and I'm glad to show this because he walks away, he actually races the night again. Uh, with uh, with that. 
Anyways, thanks for watching Pro Football Doc Podcast here. Mike Tannenbaum, thank you again. Check out the 33rd team. I'm excited about that. Uh, it's the same concept of concept as NF Post, National Football Post, perhaps in a more stylized way. And that's where I sort of got my start. Thank you again to Mike Tannenbaum. Thank you to you all for listening and watching here. we got some fun stuff coming up. Please subscribe to some of the YouTube stuff. Give us some five-star reviews. And coming up shortly here, I'll start to preview it already, uh, Mother's Day episode. We will repeat our Mother's Day guest from last year, uh, Kim Chow. She's very eager, my wife, as a Mother's Day. You think I can get away to have her on the podcast as my Mother's Day present? Do you think that will work? No, I don't think so either. Anyways, but we'll have her on for that in a couple of weeks here. Uh, Thanks for watching the Pro Football Doc podcast, and uh, we'll see you soon.